And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. What a show we got for you today. Big old Kanish is going to be joining us. Chaz Reader to talk college football week two. And, of course, we're going to be having, you know, Joe Aguirre to talk some baseball. Yankees, Astros, which pitching staff would you choose? Joe's going to tell you he's going to choose the Yankees. We're going to ask him why. We'll talk all about that. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is back. Football. NFL football. And, Ted, you ever heard of this movie last this, it's a historic movie. I think a lot of people, I know Nate has heard of it. I, know, I, I think he's even seen it before. I've never actually seen it. I don't think you've seen it either. I've seen uh, bits and pieces. I mean, they got the historic uh, song that, that, you know, the historic little piece. But it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what yesterday, the first day of the new NFL season, NFL 100 season. That's what it consisted of. You had the good, you had the bad, and the ugly. Now, what what are you talking about? The good. Well, the pregame festivities. Unbelievable. You had the 85 Bears coming out. Something, uh, the national anthem. I mean, we both said it. Incredible. One of the best I've ever heard and seen. Unbelievable. You got to see two great defenses last night. Old school. Two historic franchises. The Bears. Packers. Everything you wanted. Great defenses. The bad. <laughs> Metro Dravisky. And the Bears offense. What happened to this Matt Nagy's offensive genius scheme that he always comes up with each and every week? What happened with that? And it wasn't a very exciting game either. 10-3. Final score. And then the ugly... And this is not just for the game. This is for yesterday. You had the sloppy play in the game. A lot of penalties. What was there, like 20, 21 penalties between both teams. Fans booing the Bears. Well-deserving. And then we'll get into that. But also, you had the nonsense. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are discussing Antonio Brown in news. What a shock. And this it doesn't get any more worse than this. It doesn't get much more disgusting than this, the Antonio Brown. So the good, the pregame festivities, the great defenses, the bad. Trubisky, yuck. you know what else you the could The Bears add? offense, very unexciting game, and the ugly. Antonio Brown, sloppy play, a lot of penalties, and fans booing the Chicago Bears. It had, yesterday was supposed to be a celebration. 100 years in the NFL. This is, a, this is and the culmination to have two of the most, the starters, it seemed like, of the NFL. The Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers. The longest tenured so, rivalry. They had played 199 times coming into Soldier last Field. Game. Everything had it. But throughout yesterday, we were talking about the bad. The Antonio Brown. And it was just taken away from the game. And it's incredible that that was the storyline going into the game because two days before that, 
and you forgot to mention, which we will talk about in the show, the other part of the well, good of the yeah. NFL was Zeke finally getting paid, and that's and that's a big deal for the Dallas Cowboys and the running back well, well, yes, in the future. Gonna, no, we're going to talk Jared about all And Jared Goff that. got the highest t- paid contract. Now, that's the good. That is part of the good of the NFL. Guys getting paid and making their money at premium positions, and especially for Zeke Elliott, but being yes, able to raise the bar for the running backs. But, but like you said, all consisted of having the good. You got to see the good. You got to see the bad. And you saw the ugly all in a 24-hour time frame in the NFL yesterday. You had history, NFL 100. You had... I don't even know what to make of this situation in Oakland right now. It's just... Disgusting. It's disgusting. It's pathetic. It's... Antonio Brown, let's get things straight, is by far the biggest clown in all of sports. To try to actually punch or fight your GM because you had to go to Instagram and be a child. It kind of took away from yesterday's historic day for the NFL. But I also think it speaks to the volume of the NFL because a situation like that, which we both think is stupid, clownish, disgusting, arrogant, just whatever negative term you can come up with, Mm -hmm. that was a major storyline going into the day, the game. Mm-hmm. After the game, this morning, you know, that's what kind of football is, and we've talked about it. The best word to describe the NFL is the best soap opera on TV with, with regards to reality television. Mm-hmm. That's what, re- what we're looking at today is reality television. That's what the NFL has become, social media. Things that should have been in the old days kept behind closed doors are now in the public manner, and now everyone else is be able to have an opinion on it. And it, and it makes the situations which should be handled by grown-ups Another in reason. a professional manner are not... Another reason why social media has been good but has also ruined society. Well, that could be the good, bad, situations the situations like that. Forget about that. We're not here to talk about negative. We're not here to talk about Antonio Brown and that all that garbage that goes along. We're not going to waste our him. time on it's that not. today. We know what Antonio Brown is, and we know what he's become. But yesterday would consisted, if you ever seen the Clint Eastwood movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It all happened in a 24-hour time frame. To me, my biggest question going forward from last night's game is what do the Bears do with Mitchell Trubisky? If he continues to play like this this year... Do the, do the Chicago Bears really sign him long-term? I mean, you're seeing all these quarterbacks getting signed now. The next big question coming up in a year or so, are the Bears going to sign Mitchell Tabisky to a long-term contract? Ted, that's my biggest takeaway from last night's game. He did not look like a franchise quarterback. You're going into year three. And you did not look good. You did not play your part. But that's what happens when you don't play in the preseason. That's really what my takeaway is. I said this to you last night. I believe I texted you late last night. I said, my biggest takeaway, three takeaways last night. Yes, you did. Sloppy play. Yes. Multiple penalties. And and because teams now are playing less, their starters less in the preseason, the, the play on the field for the first month of September is going to suffer. Now... You listen to all these guys and the professionals. They say usually, even when they did practice in the preseason or play in the preseason, the offenses and the teams really don't hit 
their stride mm-hmm. or start to develop until week four. So the first weeks, three weeks, become an extension of the preseason. And you're going to see that more and more and more going forward as long as these teams continue to not play their starters. Now, Aaron Rodgers last night was not that great. Now, why did Neither that... team was great offensively. That's why the score was 10-3. Let's be, let's be honest. The defenses, shout out to the defenses. Great job, but, but the offense is lacked. We've known this because we played football. Dad's coach. We've been part of the game. Defense is always ahead of the game early for the offense. For the offense, I'll, it's about time. Now, what what kills me is, and I didn't realize this, Trubisky did not play any of the preseason. Now, That's I don't fine. know about you, but to my to mind blowing, when you guys got like Brady, Rogers, Eli, no, 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 no but, you're wrong. Rogers didn't play one snap of the preseason. He didn't. No. Brady, okay, Brady and Mahomes. 11 quarterbacks Brady, didn't play one Bra- snap Okay, the Brady Mahomes played. Eli Brees played as well. Ben Roethlisberger ben played. Ben played. All these guys. I'm just saying, if, they, if they're still playing and those guys have already, they know what they're their reputation is in the league. If if Mitchell Trubisky, but does here's it, the thing: that's if, if if Bill Belichick is still playing Tom Brady at forty something years old in the preseason, I think Brady's and he's a, playing yeah. game three up until halftime. What does that say? Does he really need the work? No, but it's about time. It's about getting the young receivers with Tom Brady. Trubisky should be playing a little bit. Now I understand. You can't afford to lose a starter in preseason. It's not worth it. But you have to understand, as a fan standpoint, your play is going to suffer and the team's going to suffer in the beginning weeks. I expect that that's going to be the biggest storyline, I think, going into week one is what teams handle – the first game action, because most of these starters, you saw it last night, they're not used to playing four quarters because they don't even play a half during the preseason, not like the old days. So their stamina is down, the timing's down, sloppy play, that's why you get a lot of holding plays and pass interference. And that was part of the storyline going into last night's game. Or You know what's funny? After the game. It, think about this, and this is before we get on to our next part, is the last two NFL games had a total of 29 points. The Super Bowl was 13-3. to in the first game of the NFL season was 10-3. Well, that's just – it's funny. It just Because you know how this is an offensive league, and the past two games we've seen a total of 29 points. But you, I think you'll see points once the season oh, starts. Oh, of course. Clicking. It's just funny that that happened. I believe, truthfully, you're going to see the biggest um, – difference between week one and week two in offenses that's where you're going to see the biggest because that's where things are starting to click so you said that you mentioned it earlier there was good this week as well other than yesterday nfl started but for dallas fans and for the la rams fans there was good you signed two of your best players two of your most important players long term ezekiel elliott would he play this in week one this year that was the big question was he actually going to hold out Come on, ladies and gentlemen. You think that Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, you think they were going to let him miss any games this year? Come on. It's all storyline. This is what Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys do. So as you know, Ezekiel Elliott is the highest paid running back in the NFL, the history of the NFL. Six years, $90 million, $50 million guaranteed. My question to you, Ted, are we going to see a running back? Get a $100 million contract. I know that the guarantee will not be, but will we see a $100 million contract given to a running back? And who will it do you think personally? Who do you think it will be first? Will it be McCaffrey? Will it be Kamara? Or will it be Barkley? Um, truthfully, and to answer your question, I think it's going to be Kamara McCaffrey. I think those two guys are the next two on the list that are the most deserving. And if it isn't them, it's, then it's going to be Barkley. So whoever gets the contract first, and I think this will we're going to lead to Jared Goff too. But I think this is going to stem from 
who's the next running back that gets paid? What does he get paid? Because every guy is going to outdo him. What does that say, though, about the running back? Remember, we, I, I, we've he, been saying I, the reputation for running backs nowadays in the NFL but, has been... Oh, they're they're a dead position. They're not as valuable. They're not as valuable. Here's the thing: it's the like market for running backs is low. But you're seeing this you're, is like you a Twitter a run, thing. Tra- tra- you could see a running back getting a hundred million dollar contract in the next they, year or two or three years from now. It's like a Twitter thing or anything in the social media. Someone says something, and then it starts trending. So some couple years ago, five six years ago, someone. With a big mouth who had some type of importance said, you know what? We can win without a star running back. And then someone heard that and said, well, let's see how we do it. And then let's, let's see if it's a trend. And, we're start, and we started saying, okay, well, let's look back at the previous Super Bowls. We haven't seen a team win the Super Bowl with a top five running back. So it's like, all right, well, it's working. And now the rules are starting to enhance the passing game. Mm-hmm. So what's more important? Quarterback and receivers. And we're seeing the passing game be so the running game has taken a step back. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm still in the old school believing that is at the end of the day, if you need to get a first down or you need, you need to win to a run game, the football, you need to be able to run yep. the football in yep. crunch time. And now, you have the best offensive line in football to do it. And now, you have maybe the best running back. Now, so guess hey, listen, what? Maybe you don't need the best offensive line. In the beginning of the game, but you're going to need it at the end of the game when you're going to need to be able to get third and one and third and two. Because as a Giant fan, we've seen it multiple times over the years. How many times have we seen the Giants go third and one, they run the ball, and they get stopped? Mm-hmm. Can you get that yard? Is, is it the back? Is it the lineman? In Dallas's case, they got the best combo. They got one of the best offensive lines in football, and they have a, the first or second best running back in league, however you determine so. But I like what Zeke did. He didn't have to play in the preseason, didn't have to practice. He set the standard for the running backs. He got 50 guaranteed, which is the most ever. He got 90. And, the, and Jerry, I Jones, just, I and just Jerry think, Jones gets a six-year extension, I just think it's which per- works out for the Cowboys. They know that Zeke is going to be pretty much a Dallas Cowboy for the rest of his career. I think it's just per- – I think it's funny because we've been just bashing the running back. Who do you think will be the $100 million man next? If, if there was – if it's – McCaffrey. Well, year, year-wise, you would say McCaffrey or Kamara because they were in the league before Barkley. But personally, I would say Barkley. I think Barkley's a $100 million player. He's that, he's that great of a talent. I think it's going to be McCaffrey just because McCaffrey is going to be more important to Carolina than Kamara to the I don't, Saints. I don't, know. I don't know about that. I mean, that's a toss-up. I mean, all three of those running backs are well-deserving. Here's, well-deserving of big paydays, man. You take any one of those teams out or one of those players. I know Kamara, if you take them off the Saints— the Saints will still be good, but you need that running back. You need that uh, that number one back there. And the well, the other question will be with and you think about all these three teams. They all have veteran quarterbacks. Sorry, but Cam is now considered a veteran quarterback. Oh yeah, he's over thirty now. Yes. And if he doesn't play well, the Carolina Panthers might want to start thinking about have. And if he gets hurt again, a future quarterback, Drew Brees. I think this. I said it last week. I think the Saints will win the Super Bowl over the Steelers. I think this will be his last season, if, especially if they win. Going forward, he'll win and walk off the, Here's walk off my the podium. So then they'll be needing a deal, and Kamara will be able to get a $100 million deal. Here's my big thing about this whole Zeke contract. I don't even think the pressure now is on Dallas, and it's not because of Zeke's contract. It's because of Jared Goff. Remember we've been talking about, oh, when's Jared Goff going to get his contract? You know what's funny? No one said anything we, about that. that. You know what? And this was going to go into my next part of why Dallas – continues to show and show this offseason 
while they'll never be able to get out of their egotistical ways. I was wondering because, why you wrote that. Why? Because, listen, did we hear anything about Carson Wentz's contract? When did we find out, oh, Carson Wentz was getting an extension? That just came out of the blue. Did we know anything about Jared Goff? Did we think Jared Goff was getting a contract like this? No. And it's funny. We thought maybe we, they would you, play out the season, see how he does, and then next year. That's exactly. what we, you and me you we see con, You see good organizations like the Rams and the Eagles under the radar. Don't, don't really talk. Don't go out and post everything or very, very mouthy, very boisterous. They're quiet. They do their business and let nobody know. And then when they get the breaking news, there you go. There's your news to talk about. The Dallas Cowboys, man, all offseason, all we ever heard is— It works for the Cowboys, though. Exactly, but that's why they'll never get rid of their egotistical ways, and that's why they'll be the Dallas Cowboys till Jerry Jones and the Jones family's out of there because of the factor that they always have to be in the news. They always have to make news about it. It's just them being the Dallas Cowboys. But for the Cowboys, it's a good thing. And then you see the Rams and the Eagles make moves like that with Goff and Wentz. You had no idea what was going to happen. You just saw breaking news under the bottom line saying, oh, wow, Jared Goff just got an extension. You never knew it was coming. But here's the thing. You never knew Carson Wentz was going to. The Dallas Dallas Cowboys are... Are like the New York Yankees in baseball. Can, uh, yes, that is true. They're always the that, top of the line who, story. <laughs> they're always that's what I mean losing. But that's the point. Yes, they are the New York Yankees because of the brand. They're, they're the Dallas Cowboys. The name. But you know what? But Think about what, what Jerry what, Jones and the Cowboys do, have why, done though. But look, the Rams are big. The Rams are a bi- they're in L.A. Philly is a big. Yes, I know but, it's not Dallas, but still. <laughs> are you coming to get my? <laughs> thank you so much. My point is, is that, yes, they're the Dallas Cowboys, but do you always have to go about and be boisterous and say, oh, well, Zeke who, or I, this and that, or Dak, we got to get all this money, Dak wants $40 million. Did we hear Jared Goff, he wanted this much? Did we hear Carson Wentz, he wanted this much? All we've been hearing reports, oh, Dak wants $40 million. Oh, now he doesn't want $40 million. That's all a lie, all this. That's all we ever hear from the Dallas Cowboys, and it just continues to show each and every offseason. That why the Rams and Eagles are teams that are gonna try are gonna win Super Bowl. But I think this and is the Dallas way Cowboys, Jerry Jones conducts business. That's why Dallas Cowboy fans are are always excited every year because they have some of the most talented teams in the league coming in. But every Trev, year they is, fall short because of their egotistical I'm, ways. They always want to be in the news. And Colin Coward said it best. They are like the Kardashians. Yes, but I think this is the way Jerry Jones conducts business. It it the Zach who the uh, Zeke who thing yeah. and all this other thing. I think it plays into the factor of negotiating. You'd be like, well, what do you mean? I'm just saying. Sometimes. The unwritten words or the sayings of what you say has meaning. It goes to a part. I'm telling you, when when he said Zeke, it got Zeke thing. I'm telling you, oh, got a nice marketing deal because that T-shirt's going to be a big seller. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's there's certain teams. He's have a genius ways when it comes their, to marketing. Listen, I'm not I'm not Jerry saying jo- that. Jerry Jones signed, re-signed the linebacker and Jason. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. That was kind of a quiet thing. That was out of nowhere. And he got a good deal. He got a favorite deal. If Ted, you think about— Ted, Ted, I know. The deals that he made, Leo Collins, didn't see that happen. But my, top point, five, but my point is, it all, comes, it all comes down to the quarterback. You never knew that Wentz was going to get the big contract. But d- you d- never Dak knew hasn't been you a ne- big story. I know, but you never knew that Goff was getting that contract. All we've ever heard is, when is Dak getting the contract? And that's why now, with this— I know Zeke got paid, but that doesn't make— that's Think about this, though. The giant thing with Eli 
is always in the news. The Zeke thing, because here's the thing: if Zeke wasn't, if Zeke was in, um, first of all, it's it because okay, it's, New, it's was, New York. Yeah, but if Zeke was in preseason, like Dak is. The Dak story has been very small. It's all been about Zeke because Zeke's my been po- in Cabo. My point is, is that now the pressure puts even more. There's even greater pressure now for Dallas to sign Dak Prescott because now you see Jared Goff. Everyone two, can sign. They're two the two quarterbacks that we've been comparing with Jer- with with Dak Prescott in that draft class. Two of them are signed now, long term. The Rams and Eagles got their quarterbacks. Now Dallas faces. Even more pressure because what are they going to do with Dak Prescott? Are they going to pay him thirty plus, thirty five plus, maybe even forty million? What are they going to do? Can I? I just. I mean, it's not about the Zeke contract. You knew Zeke was going to get signed. There was no way Dallas was letting him go. But now with the Jared Goff, that just makes it that much more intriguing and tougher well, for the Dallas Cowboys this year. I don't like you said, and I'll just end it on this. I don't think. We had talked about the Jared Goff contract at all. No one's really reported about it. No, rep- no stations or any sports news has really talked about. It. Carson Wentz got a big. Who deal. knew it was oh, so, coming? So Carson Wentz got the big deal. Who knew it was 109. coming? Jared Goff became the highest paid guaranteed quarterback in all of, any, of all the NFL. 110 million guaranteed. 134 million with the record. 110 million guaranteed. guaranteed. It beat Carson it's, Wentz it's at going through Carson, the, Carson Wentz had 109.3 through the 2024 season. What I'm saying is they're all the extensions. And by Dallas Cowboys waiting on Dak, Dak Prescott's contract, they saw Carson signed. They saw Golf signed. Now the pressure you know, is even greater. Now the pressure is even greater. When you compare Dak Prescott to both of those quarterbacks, Dak is a better quarterback. Okay, let me fix this. Dak's production on the field is better than both of those quarterbacks. Because Wentz can't stay healthy. Goff Goff had a bad rookie year. He's been to the playoffs the past couple years, and he's he's climbed his way up. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. I know he played poorly in the game last year, but he did get to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff's pressure is, okay, Sean McVay has helped Jared Goff be a top quarterback, and we saw Jared Goff not produce when Gurley wasn't on the field. Jack Del Rio made a good point the other day. Everybody wants to say... Oh, Brady's a system quarterback, or Goff's a system quarterback. Yes, and Jer- and and Del Rio said yes, he is a system quarterback, but he fits that system. So why do we have to bash quarterbacks now because they're in a system that works for them? They're great well, because oh, why do we have to put him? If he was in another yeah, franchise, the, uh, hey, who cares? He's in a perfect situation with a system that works to his benefit. Joe Montana was in a system called the West Coast system. Yeah. And that was that's my point. That's my point. So you that's know, my point is that who cares if he's always with the Rams? If he was with another team, if how it, good would he be? It doesn't matter. He fits that system, I, and that's why he's going to be successful with McVay because of the pieces they put around golf. And here's well, here's the and point: pieces to that. they put around Brady. How many that, times have we seen in the NFL a quarterback or a player not fit a team system? It's not the player. Sometimes they, they've talked about it. If you're going to draft, it's always like this: Jared Goff didn't fit Jeff Fisher's per- system. Perfect example: high school football. North Haven. Sagnol used to say, why are we running the option? Oh, it's old school, old school. Well, guess what? We don't have the personnel that other teams have. Yep. But we know with the option football that we don't have to block a defender, which means we can – it makes our team better because we don't have the personnel to match up one-on-one. But if we don't have to block a defender, it makes things easy. It balances out the thing. Why do you think Army and Navy and teams like that run the option? And they're so successful. Because they don't have the same personnel to compete with everyone else. You can't just line up and sh- – everyone thinks, let's throw the ball all around. If you don't 
don't have the lineman to block, you don't have a quarterback to throw, and you don't have the receivers to hit, you can't run that. But North Haven a couple years ago went to a single wing. It works for North Haven. They've been in the playoffs four to six years it's been in the state successful. playoffs. It's one of the hardest offenses to North Haven produces big, fat linemen that can block and move guys out of the way, and they produce running backs that can run the football. We don't produce quarterbacks. We don't produce receivers. We have linemen and running backs. Single wing, three or four guys can carry the ball at a time, and it works. So everybody That's that what wa- you do. So Tom Brady and Jared Goff, they found systems that fit their quarterbacks. You can't go air raid if you don't have the personnel. Yes. The Dallas Cowboys, Amen. Dak Prescott's not going to throw the ball 50 times a game because that's not what he is. They are run the football, play action pass, short West Coast things, and once in a while you throw the bomb. Mm-hmm. But it works. That's why Dak Prescott has the second most wins in football. But the pressure is now on the Cowboys to win. Oh, yeah. They paid it's not, everyone. And they have to pay. I mean, they still have to pay Amari. But they got to pay Dak. If you, if, and I said it when they paid Wentz. They believe that Wentz is a franchise quarterback. They believe that's why they signed him. They signed him long term. They believe that they will, that will be their guy going forward. If they didn't think so, they'd still have Nick Foles on it. The Dallas Cowboys have to figure out, is Dak Prescott their franchise quarterback or is he going to be a guy that we just can't he's – nice, he's a nice player – but we can't build around him and we can't move forward and, as and, a, and compete for championships. And as a Dallas fan, you have to be appreciative of how Jerry Jones has handled most of the personnel because if you're looking at the Dallas Cowboys for the next three or four years, all their big-time players are all going to be signed and have extensions. You assume that Amari and Dak are both going to get signed. I think the left-out guy is going to be Byron Jones, the cornerback. I think he's going to be the left-out. But you're going to have your middle linebacker for the thing. You're going to have most of your offensive line is going to be there. Your running back, your quarterback, your receiver. Your offense is set. Your defense is still young. You got DeMarcus. Oh, you forgot. DeMarcus Lawrence, they signed yeah. to a mega deal this year. Yep. $100 million deal. Jalen Smith. Term. So you got your pass rusher. You got your middle linebacker. You got Van Der Esch under the rookie deal for another two or three seasons. Byron Jones will be so another So what guy you're really going to lack is your secondary. Hopefully you get young guys that can produce. That's really where it's going. But you got to be happy as a Dallas fan. And for the Rams, I'm you got to be happy that Jared Goff. But the pressure now for these quarterbacks that are getting paid big money is to continue to produce at a high my, level. My final point is that, yes, Zeke got paid, but the bigger story is that Jared Goff got paid. And now it puts even an immense pressure on the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott to be successful and to hopefully get that contract that you were hoping for. Let's move over to the local teams now. We've been talking about all the teams around the country, but Let's finish we are in guys. the East Coast, and we have to talk week one, what to expect with the three local teams, our Jet fans, Patriot fans, and the Giant fans. If you haven't checked us out, you could go to our Facebook, check it out. We picked, made our entire predictions, win-losses, division winners, wild cards, wild card round, everything, playoffs, Super Bowl winner. We put it all for there for you. Also, you could check us out on Spotify. YouTube and Facebook. Go check us out if you want, if you missed today's show. So the local teams, the Jets. What do you expect from the Jets? The Jets have a lot of pressure this year because there are people that truly believe this team is competitive enough to get to a playoff. And this is what I'm trying to say is that Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. You got this young defense now. Buffalo Bills are coming in town. These two teams are very, very similar. Two young quarterbacks. I know the Jets have more talent on offense and probably on the team, but these are two similar teams, and it's a toss-up type game. I do expect the Jets to win. I expect MetLife to be very raucous. 
Jet fans will be excited to see football back, gang green back. I expect the Jets to pull it off, but I expect it to be a close game. These are two evenly matched teams. This is a toss-up game for both teams, but I expect with the playmakers, I expect them to feed Le'Veon the ball. Le'Veon has said it multiple times. Let's see if Adam Gase goes through with it. He wants the ball. Feed him the damn ball. Like Zeke does, he wants the ball, Le'Veon. Give him the ball as many times. He's your best player. You get your best players the ball. Sam Darnold, it's time to prove it that he's the franchise quarterback now that Jet fans have been waiting for. I'm excited for this game because I really want to see how the Jets come in. I want to see how both these teams. With a new head coach, with a new system in place, with a big-time player, home run threat, and Le'Veon Bell. Young defense, both teams. Could be a fun, fun, fun game. I expect the Jets to win. I expect a close game. I expect 24-21 New York Jets. Yeah, this should be a highly contested game. Hell yeah! You, these teams are very similar. I think the Bills... These are going to be two I think teams the, fighting for second place in the AFC. Let's I think the Bills, the Bills have a better defense. Okay? The way I look at it, I think the Jets have a better offense. I, and I think the difference right now is Sam Darnold. I, I'll take Sam Darnold over Josh Allen. Yes, I will take Darnold. I like Le'Veon Bell. I know who the bell, ho- the bell cow is, okay? With yeah. the Bills, you know, you got Frank Gore. They just released with Sean McCoy. They got the kid Devin Singletary out of FAU, mm-hmm. who was a, a, was a, had scored 30 touchdowns a year ago for Lane Kiffin in college. So he's going to be a scat back and do a multiple-faceted th- thing. They brought in some pieces. They brought in Cole Beasley as an extra slot receiver. Yep. Let's see how the Bills' offense looks. I think this is going to be a high. I think 17-14 Jets win, close one. Yeah, I expect the kicker is the difference. Kicking is and a, is and, a big and that's difference. been a big issue that we didn't talk about during the preseason. The Bill and that's a big issue we didn't Bears, talk about the Bears game. The Congratulations, Jets. the Bears maybe found their kicker. And the Jets, hopefully, they found their kicker. But I like the Jets this week. 17-14. We're both on the Jets. Okay. Now let's go to the champs. We'll close out with the Giants. Yes, we'll close out with the Giants. If you really think about it, the three local teams that we're talking about had probably three of the most exciting games this week and evenly contested matchups going into week one. Patriots, let's just, let's just see this as a regular. The Patriots are going to be a, a well, the unreal. Patri- okay, unreal. So they're, uh, the they're a banner again. The Bears-Jets game Bowl. is a division game, and that's always – we talked about Who? this. The Be- I'm, excuse me. The Bills-Jets – why? Blooper. <laughs> blooper. That's a blooper. Jets-Bills game is a division game. It's also a home game. It's an important game for the Jets because, first of all, you want to win your home Anytime game. Anytime it's a division, division game. game. They're important, and they're like a game and a half. And you want to win the home game. And you want to start the season 1-0. Now, the Patriots-Steelers game could be an AFC title preview. That's now, what you expect. Now, that's what I have in my— I do not. I know. That's I really okay. do like Pittsburgh this year, though. I just think—I mean— not dealing with the drama anymore is going to be huge. I really do think that the Giants and the Steelers will be better off in the long run with Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and Odell Beckham gone, and the drama's gone. Now you could get back to your type of style of play, your football, Pittsburgh Steel and New York Giant football. I think these two teams will be better off in the long run. I like the, I just, I like the Steelers in this game. I, because I mean, history the, says you go with the you go with the Pats. I know history says but you not, go with the Pats. Not in Week One. The Chiefs have come in to, and beaten the Steelers. Yeah. Teams. Come I in, think it's, it's. I think it's different. Listen, with, if I you're think it's get the different Patriots, with the Steelers. You're get them early. Ben gets Ben. I, I don't know. Ben is great, but Ben is when he goes in the Foxborough, it's something just. That's hap- why I think this is a big test. Something just happens to him. Big test. The true the, the, the matchup of the game is very simple. It's Stephon Gilmore versus Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a number one receiver. He's going to go against one of the best corners in the game. 
and an all-pro in Stephon Gilmore. Juju, you want to be a number one. Now it's time to show up. AB's not there to back you up anymore. I'm, I'm that's the matchup of the game. Well, that for you. That, for me, uh, it's how the Pittsburgh Steelers' pass defense goes against Tom Brady. It's always, they always run zone coverage. Tom Brady for years. Charles Rito come on. And I tell expect you. a lot of he pressure. Says, he says they always eat up the zone. For some reason, he, Tom Brady just eats up the Patriots um, at the Steelers' zone. How does the new defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers Devin, perform led by, De- led by my boy Devin Bush. How does it perform? Superstar, baby. Superstar in the making. You, they're going to be fast off the wall. They're going to get – they're going to pressure Brady. I expect them to throw a lot of blitzes and at And the reason why team. I said that, they're Trevor, gonna, is because the Patriots to... are going to lose – Teams that have beaten the Patriots over the years, just like the Giants in the two Super Bowls. Ravens. You gotta get pressure gotta get on pressure. Brady. Yep. You gotta be able to listen, make him dink and dunk. Okay? Don't give up the big play. Well, they do that already, and it's it's been very successful for twenty years. But and the other thing is no Gronk. There is no Gronk. There is no tight well, end that like true. that. We'll see what happens. I still expect the Patriots to win. I think it's going to be a very exciting game. What a lot more score? exciting than last night's game. I got 31-24 Pats. I got the Steelers winning 27-24. Okay, nice. Split down. Let's the finish. Middle. Let's finish the game. That means a the lot. The biggest to us. key to this game, very simple, for the Giants to win this game stop is Zeke. is stop the running game. Got Dal- Stop with the running game of Dallas. I know the offense. We're gonna see a new offense now for the first time in some some odd years. No Odell Beckham. We know he's gone. Let's see what this offense is gonna be. Golden Tate's out for the four games, but the key for this game and for the Giants to be successful is very simple. Stop twenty-one. He's had his way with the Giants since coming, getting drafted by Dallas. He's had his way. The Giants need to win. It's going to be tough, but they have to get, they have to win in the trenches. Not win, but at least stand their ground. Go toe-to-toe with Dallas. If they're going to punch, you know they're going to punch you in the mouth. They're nasty. They're big, they're strong, and they're great. The Giants have to go toe-to-toe with them for 12 rounds and get to 21. Make Dak Prescott beat you. Plain and simple, for the Giants to be successful is to stop 21. I know the Giants got a great back in themselves, but for the Giants to win, it's about that defense. And Eli, man, and Eli he's got to make throws. He's got to make plays. This is it. This could be Eli's final year, bro. His final opening day. It is. This could be This it. is his 16th year as a Giant. It's the longest tenure ever for a New York Giant. He surpasses Phil Simms and Michael Strahan. They both guys played for their teams for 15 years. This is, this is going to be – this could be most likely his last opening day. I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm hoping the Giants win. I, I'm, I'm more hoping and praying. I, I'm going to pick the Dallas Cowboys to win. I just think their team is more, that much – better than the New York Giants at this I mean, on time. Paper, yeah, obviously. Okay, they have the better offensive line. I just read a report in the paper that Mike Remmers, he had illness, he missed practice on Wednesday. He's also, his back is bothering him. He had surgery on his back. That's a big, that's a problem for the Giants because they have no depth in their offensive line. You know, line. Demarcus Lawrence loves playing against the Giants. Okay, so, you know, if we can have those five linemen healthy and ready to go week one, that's going to be a huge factor. EY's got to play well. We're going to miss Golden Tate. Let's see how the receivers play. There's, there's, here's the thing. There's so many more question marks for the New York Giants going and into this the game. Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, obviously. The, Gi- the Cowboys are sure with their offensive line. They got their center back who we missed all last year in Travis Frederick. They got Jason Witten back out of the booth. He's going to be a veteran presence. He knows how to play. A giant He's killer. a giant killer. They have Micah Gallup, who's going to be in his second year. He should be a thing. Amari Cooper. They're going to have Zeke back. The, I know Tony Pollard's going to play. He'll probably get 
get about 10 carries this week. I think Zeke will touch the ball about 20 times. Dak will play well. So what do you got for a score? I think Dallas wins 24-14. I got the upset of the weekend. I, I really do believe the Giants. Nobody's giving the Giants a chance in this game. All we've been hearing is Dallas, 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 going to the Super Bowl. Zeke's back. Here they go. The boys are ready to go. The boys are back in town. I'm going to go with the upset. It would be great and for I'm the storyline I'm for not Eli. being biased. I really do believe the Giants will come in and pull off an upset and shock people and play hard. Do they have as much talent as they did last year? Probably not, but you know what? They got more heart. They don't have any drama. They don't have to deal with the BS anymore. They just want to go out and play football. And they got everybody thinks the Giants are going to be bad. Mike, if the Giants if the Giants go seven and nine, eight and eight, that's a winning that's a winning success for the Giants. Well, Sherman came out and said Sherman said the first thing we have to do because they asked about the season. He goes, we have to start playing winning football. When you go three. Three and thirteen, and then, and then five, five and eleven. And 11. Yes. That's not winning football. Now, in reality, winning football is nine and seven. It I would got, be great for the Giants to start one and zero. The yeah. last two seasons, they've started zero and two, and that's the difference. Last time they started two and zero was two thousand eleven or twelve when they made the playoffs against the Packers. McAdoo. No, that wasn't a uh, twelve. That was, <laughs> that was what that was, sixteen. Yeah. Apologize. Two thousand sixteen when they well, started two and zero. I so, got the Giants winning twenty one seventeen. The Giants are one and six in their last seven home op- home openers. They're not home openers. They're well, it doesn't matter. Ho- uh, starting the season, it doesn't Opening matter. Opening day. Yes. Okay. I looked at it. Okay. The last time they won. <laughs> so I want. So we're gonna do this for the last part, right here. Let's finish it off. Is each week we're gonna have a bold prediction for the week. So week one, my bold prediction. Kyler Murray is going to have 250 yards passing, 100 yards on the ground, and four total touchdowns and an Arizona Cardinal victory. I'm waiting for you now. That's your cue. That's my cue, huh? Your cue is up. I made it real quick for you, huh, buddy? <laughs> do you want me to stall for you? You want me to keep going? Why I think he's going to do it? No, I just, I, think I, that no, nobody, gonna, I just think everybody thinks Arizona's going to be horrible this year. I can see Arizona winning this week. I can see Kyler Murray having a big day and people going, going insane and saying, oh, here he goes. This is what we expect, and he's going to be amazing. I expect him to do this for one game. This is my bold prediction. I know, it, I know it might not happen, but you know what? Expect it to happen. Kyler Murray's going to take the league by storm for one week. All right, I'm ready for you. One running back rushes for over 100 yards this weekend. That's the only thing. Only, that's that's only one running back a rushes for over 100 yards. So rushes, not total, not total, total yards. yards, total yards. One one running back goes for total yards over 100 yards. Rushing, rushing yards. Okay, rushing yards, yes. not total yards. Okay. Not total yards. Okay. Only one, good... only one running back. Who this is whole it? weekend? Can you tell me who it is? I'm very curious to know who it is. Why do I have to make a prediction of who it is? I just said one running back. You said make a bold prediction. One running back in the whole weekend will rush for over 100 yards. Okay. Sounds good. It's a bold prediction. That is because there's some good backs out there. And I'm I'm saying that because I think teams are uh, are not going to be ready to play off the bat. Defense is going to take the lead. There we go. Well, week one. In the NFL season, 2019, 2020, NFL. Yeah, I know, right? NFL 100 is officially underway. You know, my other bold predictions would have been Barkley all play Zeke, but that's not really a bold. That's not a bold prediction because I can see them. That's a. That's a. a, Are those the two best running backs on the field this weekend together? Oh, Carolina and uh, the Rams. Ooh, McCaffrey and. You saw the rankings of the running backs. I would rank it if I really had to rank it right now. I would go Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara. I'd go Bar- Bell. I, my top five running backs quickly would be 
Barkley, Zeke, McCaffrey, Gurley, and Bell. I want Kamara Bell. I would put I would put, I put Gurley I six. If Gurley's healthy, he's I mean Gurley's I'll put amazing. Him six. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the fan favorite, Joe Aguirre, to talk some New York Yankee baseball. Who has the better pitching staff? Who would Joe choose, Yankees or Astros? His answer may surprise you. Keys to the City from All Noise Radio. We'll be right back, folks. Sports, we've got sports here on Keys to the City, brought to you by All Noise Radio. Here's your host, Trevor and Ted. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. And look who's back, ladies and gentlemen. The fan favorite, the weekly guest. He's not even a guest, he's a part of the Keys to the City family. The host of the road call, Joe Aguirre. Joe. Hey, you're looking, you're looking snazzy right now. I, was, I, I wanted to dress up for you a little bit today. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably because he doesn't have a keys to the city shirt yet. We got to get him. A I'm keys waiting. To, we got to get. As soon as I do. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna get the present one. And we're gonna get the intern one. We're gonna have that. We got. We sent. got. Yeah, we got. We got. We're gonna start getting all so those gifts. We, we got, got a lot of people the, wanting our. So X, those. XL and small. <laughs> is there a? Is there a two X? Is that what you're? Is that? I didn't know if you wanted to say that. I didn't know if you wanted to say that. Just so there's a little more space. You know what I mean? This is stretchy. You want to be comfortable. It's all about No, comfort. I think XL will fit them because dad fit in the large. Okay. 2X. Just so, go two. I saw that you posted an article. Yes, sir. About the Astros and the Yankees and the pitching staff. And uh, for most people around baseball, it seems they would take the Houston Astros, obviously. Yeah. You say otherwise. Please... Go into depth. Let me be clear. I'm not saying I would take the Yankees rotation over Houston's. What I will say is this. Did, can I ask you a question? Oh, hold, hold on. on. No, I want to ask him before you get to this. When you wrote this, were you saying overall throughout a whole season, regular season, or just the postseason? So this is specifically regular season. Because I didn't see the article. I'm asking. Because I will tell you, and a little caveat at the end we'll throw in there. Uh, to start things off, in his career, in 22 career starts, Justin Verlander is 8-7 and seven with a 3.55 ERA against the Yankees. That's not great. Wow, really? At Yankee Stadium, he's 3-4 and four in 10 starts with a 4.05 ERA. Yeah. It seems so much better. Not what you... Well, I'll tell you something funny about Justin Verlander. Great pitcher. He's 124 and 45 in his career with a 2.94 ERA against teams under 500. He's 97 and 83 with a 373 against good teams, teams like the Yankees. And and look, that's no knock on Justin Verlander. I mean, he's going to win the Cy Young again this. He's, he's going to win, win the Cy, Cy Young, Young and if he doesn't, Garrett Cole is going to, yes. but Garrett Cole's got a 450 ERA at Yankee Stadium. He's only faced the Yankees twice in his career. Neither start was particularly good. Granky's got a, a 505 ERA. And a four and four record in fifteen appearances against the Yankees. He's got an eleven fifty seven ERA at Yankee Stadium. Yes, it's like the Wade worst. Wade Miley yeah, like... is zero and four, a five ninety eight ERA and eleven starts against the Yankees. Zero and one, a six four eight and seven starts at Yankee Stadium. So what I'm saying is, based they're, on the numbers, they're great pitchers, but historically not against the Yankees, and especially not at Yankee Stadium. 
The caveat, Verlander is 5-0 and in his career in the postseason against the Yankees, including 2017. He was 2-0 with an 0-5-6 ERA, and he won the MVP, which was great. He's the only starter left on that rotation that beat the Yankees. So just something to think about. It, it, it would be easy to say these guys are going to just blank the, the Yankees for four games and send them home. I don't think that's true. I just think the offense is going to be too good to be able to get sure. Yeah, Did even you see in AAA this year, they, they started using the same baseballs as what the major leagues are using. Home runs increased at the AAA level by 56%. I like it. Balls are juiced. Garrett Cole's given up 26. Verlander's given up 33. They're susceptible to the long ball. They got to pitch at Yankee Stadium, which is also susceptible to the long ball. The idea that the Yankees are going to have to small ball their way to get to these guys is stupid because that means getting guys on base they don't really do that what they do do is they give up home runs and that's exactly the Yankees wheelhouse they do need home field advantage because there will be a game seven and if it's in the Bronx I'll feel a lot better than if it's going yeah going to Houston they the Yankees we talked about it a couple weeks ago the Yankees I think desperately need to get home field advantage because if they go to Houston game seven Verlander on the mound Listen, it's just great to be playing I mean, I, game I, I, seven I'll, at home than it is to be in someone else's ballpark. And look, the, I'll, I'll take my chances. Particularly I'll, in Houston, though, because they don't play well. It's, it's, it would, there's, it's, the only place would, would be I'll worse would be chance. Oakland. No, I'll take, I, I would I'll say take Fenway. My, I'll take my chance. I, I would take game seven Fenway against this Red Sox team. No, no, I know. but Then against either of the other two teams in their Houston, home now. Houston I'll take my chances with the Yankees if they had to go to Houston, but... Boy, I would just I think most well, Yankees I think most Yankees you want to play it safe and you want you want games. Here's the thing, it's like everything else. You always want the last game to be at your place. Doesn't matter if you lose, you lose, but you you'd rather have it at your home. It's of just course. there's a better feeling. Guys are more comfortable. They're they're not traveling. Everything is just that much easier. Now, Except see, for the New York Giants, you want to be on the road in the playoffs. Of yes. course. Of course. This again is where I disagree with analytics because again, a 5-0 and record, a really low ERA against the Yankees in the postseason, one would assume, well, he'll continue to dominate. Except for that's not how reality works. At some point, the Yankees are probably bound to put some runs up on Justin Verlander in a postseason game. It's never happened. Just like we talk about hitting. Oh, the guy's a 200. Eventually, he's going to hit the ball. He's 1 in 10. Eventually, he's not going to be 1 for 100. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Eventually, he's going to get a couple hits. And then that analytics is going to go out the window. Like Mike Ford is not a 200 hitter consistently. And we've seen that. He's a much better hitter in the last few weeks. He's been hitting 425 in the last 12. Now, it's funny Ridiculous. you say that because I feel like I've seen something on MLB.com They were uh, about this, and I think that was one of the questions. I swear to God, that's why I thought maybe you posted it, was who would you rather have in the postseason? Would you rather have the Astros starting front line or would you rather have the Yankees bullpen? And I thought about it, and I'm like, realistically, what we've seen in baseball in the last, like, five or six years. Need a good bullpen. I'd rather have the bullpen. We've seen the Nationals, Scherzer, the Mets, DeGrom. Look at the Mets this week. You're up six runs in the ninth, and you blow the lead. That's what I'm talking about. Your pitcher gets you. Those last three are the hardest three to get. And that's why you could say Mariano Rivera was the MVP (laughs) for the Yankees in those ten years. Yes. So, if the Yankees have the lead... You'd want that bullpen. The Astros could have the lead, but if you get to the bullpen, I watched the game the other night against the Brewers on Monday night. Ozuna gave up the home run to Yelich to tie the game up. Now, Springer ended up winning in the 10th, but 
we got to he, he blew the lead and he's been you don't fear, more consistent. what you're trying to say is you don't fear when the Yankee when the Yankees Listen, are in that situation unless, because unless when you Verlander, get Tommy K when you get Tommy K and you get Patances back and then you get Brand the and you Verlander, get Alvino and then Cole Chapman, and Granky are not going to pitch complete games no. right so eventually not against this offense so eventually you figure the, all three of those guys are going to shoot for seven innings and then they're going to go eight nine and maybe use three guys to get the last six outs the Yankees can go give me five good innings and we got and we got six or seven guys that we can bring in and we don't know who else is going to be in the bullpen once the postseason comes in because everything gets condensed guys get moved around we've seen that so Houston by the way has the third best bullpen in baseball but it's a very misleading stat yeah, when you're in the AL because West. you're in the AL West you have good starters who give you length the Yankees and you have a good offense the Yankees bullpen statistically speaking is not as good as Houston's but how many innings have have been uh, you know on the shoulder of of uh, Jonathan Holder and Stephen Tarpley was a thing and guys Yankees, like that? Yankees bullpen has pitched almost sixty more innings than the Astros bullpen this year. That's how much more the Yankees have pitched. That's almost like ten more games. So it would stand the reason that the numbers would be higher. Again, it's not the best it was, guys. It was a huge difference because the Astros starting pitching gives almost six and a half innings of the rotation. The Yankees only barely last five innings. Yeah, if that. Canely, Adovino, Chapman, and Britain. Uh, and Britain are now 20. They're Yankees 24-0 when they all pitch in the same game. Doesn't get any better than that bullpen. So who do you think is the most important Yankee going forward into the postseason? Could be anybody. Uh, probably to me, it's still Gary Sanchez. I don't. I don't think that the Yankees can get through three rounds of playoffs with Austin Romine and Kyle Agashioka. I think that would be the most devastating injury that 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 they could suffer. It changes the entire lineup. It, it really does. You o- know, only in that you can replace Encarnacion with Voigt or Urshela with 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 Lemayhu. I, I would say personally. you could replace Stanton with 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 Gardner. Who are you replacing Sanchez with? Well, I would I would use that same argument in Judge too, because when Judge was hot in that that one I, week where he stretched, you could see the team kind of feeds off him. Same way they feed sure. off the Kraken. I, would, I think those guys are both irreplaceable. I would say because when those two guys are on, it's and I'm I'm a user reference of Babe Ruth and Will Garrick. When those two guys are on, everything else flows. Mm-hmm. It makes it takes the pressure off because if they're hitting the way we both, all three of us perceive they can hit, you have to pitch around them, which means everyone else is going to get better pitching, which means everyone else is going to produce. I would say it's the MVP of the Yankees. I would say it's DJ LeMahieu. Because who's leading off for the Yankees? Who can be that? Who can be that consistent and that great throughout the year? Who? And I told you this. Glaber. That's all I'm saying is but no. You're you right. Look but, at, but you can legitimately LeMay- put a star in any LeMay- other spot except when, for catcher. But when Lemayhu became the leadoff, it kind of just oh, made changed the, the team. It, it kind of changed the whole team, the Absolutely. offense, and the offense became almost unstoppable. You know, it's, you know it's funny. I think that, we, didn't I mean, one, we didn't mention one pitcher. Last week we were talking about Paxson if he's the guy because it was like, all right, we got an ace. We, we don't need an ace, ace, but you need to use. Um, you need to have someone that's at least substantial or at least even that can balance the other pitchers. Well, because stats. I think the bullpen is going to do its thing. I think the bullpen's still going to be nasty, and I still think it's going to be unhittable. That's why I would not pick a bullpen. I think the bullpen's going to be great. Who's, th- who's going to try to – who's going to have success against the bullpen? I mean, so they'll Chabic, have, they'll have their off, bad days. They'll on. have their off days. Don't get me wrong. But most of the time – Not six guys. Eight out of ten days, the Yankees' bullpen is going to – 
be dominant and do their thing. And that's why I wouldn't take a bullpen player. Pitching, I mean, pitching's been so up and down. You just, I mean, who are you going to take? I think it's the offense. I mean, the offense, you've been relying so heavily on the offense being great. I, but here, you know what? And I think, I think all three of us now, that I, think, I think we're all wrong. Because if you look at the Dodgers series, what was the difference? It wasn't really the hitting. The pitching. The pitching gave up like five runs in three games against that yeah, offense. Yeah, but they line. also had big hits. I mean, they get, also had big listen, hits against Rio. I, I know, I know. Kershaw got hit But if of, you're going to have Paxton give up one run in the first game and look like an ace, then you're going to have Sabathia give you five or six strong innings, only two-run ball. And then you come back with Herman, who only gives up the solo shot and then never gives up another run for six innings. Oh, that's yeah, the that's, difference, really. That is true. Because but when you're sets, hitting, when you're on the did road, did you say Sabathia and did you mean Tanaka? No, no Sabathia pitched that Saturday. Saturday. Oh, oh, Saturday. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Lost, we're reliving it. I thought you were lost, talking about in the postseason. I was like, wait. But no, no, I, I was that's reliving right, that. Yeah. Well, again, the it way was I look at the Dodgers are the front runners in the NL. I'm at the NL by a thousand percent. Okay. They sh- that offense is just as good as the Astros' offense and the Yankees' offense. They only gave up five runs that whole weekend as a starting rotation. That's incredible. And if you can get that type of production, I don't believe you're going to get that through the whole postseason. But if you can get that when it matters most, you get a harmonic that's going to give up one. You're going to give up packs, and you're going to have Tanaka pitch like that. That's you everything have, else should you know flow. Do to give because there's like no way the Yankees three. are. I can't believe they didn't score a run the other day. First time in 220 games since June 30 of 2018. But the size. it speaks volume that this team can score. Can the pitching do enough to hold it down? So, th- I mean, they're, they're 92 and 49. And we know about all the injuries. And yet, week after week after week, the question is, are the Yankees good enough to – and it's like, well, what – what more do they have to do? They got 91 wins. They keep on winning. They just keep on winning. They've, they've kept a better pace than the Astros. They've kept pace with the Dodgers pretty much all year. I, don't, I mean, I know the pitching doesn't blow you away, but all they do is win. I, I'm not really sure where the confusion is. I'm going to raise my hand because it just popped in my head and tell me if you, you feel the same way. <laughs> we, got, we got the peanut gallery. We got He's a coming guest. in. We got the guest. Come on out, little guy. So here's the thing. The way I look at it is the Kansas City Chiefs, all right? Last year, they were the best team in football last year, mm-hmm. scoring points at an abundance that we hadn't seen before. They were the number one team to go to the playoffs. But the biggest defense, question we kept was saying was, is horrible. their defense good enough to win in the playoffs? Is their defense good enough to win in the playoffs? That's why I look at it in a football standpoint. Is the Yankees pitching staff good enough to win Five, three, three out of five, and then four out of seven, and then four out of seven. You got to win eleven games. But no, but I, can you win against if you're yeah? Playing, but like we said, we talked about with the bullpen. I don't think you need to go like a Verlander or Cole where they got to go six or seven strong right. because you have that depth in the bullpen. But here's the thing: if you're starting, we're not even talking about okay, se- we're not even talking about Severino. first sign but of your trouble. Bu- your bullpen doesn't count. You think he'll have a quick? That's what. I'll Absolutely, ask. first sign of trouble. If you put two, three guys, if you, you put two guys on base with nobody out in the second, you might be out of the game. Definitely by the third or fourth, if you put two on, you're out. That's what I'm wondering. If he's gonna have a short lease, or if he's gonna say, okay, he did last year. I just think it throws everything off if your guy doesn't give you at least five innings. It it does, except for that's what they've been doing I know, all I know. year. I know. I, I, listen, I, there's no argument to say they got 91 wins. Is it 91 or 90? 92. They're 92, 92 and so 49. That, oh, sorry. That was the paper so from yesterday. My, yeah. my final question to you, since we've been talking about the pitchers, have we finally got our ace in Paxton? Oh, yeah. Is he, is there, is he our number one, and is he going to be – That's the, what you traded for. Is he That's gonna, why you traded for. Yes. And is he going to be 
the game one starter. That'll be in the interesting. Round. It's, I'll tell you what. It, it's. I mean, in the division around, I would assume so because uh, I'll assume they'll have home field advantage for that. I mean, I, I think it's even possible at this point that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would think – oh, I think what you're going to see, though, is the number one thing is is they can't have Jermont pitch on the road. Yes. That's He's the giving o- the thumbs up. He's giving the That's thumbs the, up. It's yeah, the yeah. only thing they can't do is have Herman pitch on the road. So they're going to have to if, – if Paxton doesn't go in one, he's probably going to go in three, which would put Tanaka in one. I so. would do Tanaka one, Herman like you. I think you said last night. Tanaka one, Herman two, come Paxton three. That's a good three. Tanaka has a very good postseason record. Paxton's on fire. No, no, no. That's okay no, because no, I, you I, trust him on the road. He's pitched against the Astros before. He's come from the NL West. True that. And listen, a- the AOS, uh, AOS, whatever. I'm a little bit off. We know but that. That's why you traded for him. He's the guy. He's going to be the stopper. Remember, it used to be Cece. You used to bring Cece and say, "You're going to be my stopper right now." Paxton could be that guy and Tanaka home he pitches well Herman home pitches well listen you go 2-0 if Paxton has a shaky game trio right you're still up 2-1 and you got the bullpen to back you up now the biggest question is who's going to be your fourth who will be your fourth starter that's where well, you could that probably be, that's, where, that's you where, probably, where the opener comes that's in where you oh, bring right, an opener. So, so yesterday for the first time Aaron Boone said he is legit thinking about going with uh, an opener, and it only makes sense. I mean, it's been so successful for the Yankees, and they've got the guys to do it. And again, this this month is going to be huge because you're going to see Severino find out what he can give you. You're going to see what Patances is going to be able they gotta to give you. They got to get pitching to whether soon. and whether Montgomery is going to be able to come back and what's, also contribute. What's and, the percentage you think they use an opener in uh, playoffs? I think <laughs> it's extremely high that they're going to use an opener. I, again, the, the, idea that, the idea that Boone finally came out and said he's giving it a real strong thing a thought it tells me that that's probably yeah, going to happen. And even Cashman's been on the board that he's open to the thing. And I don't have a problem with that because they win. Teams have done it before. The Twins, other teams have done it in the playoffs. I mean, there's Oakland no, did it last year. No, but again, the Yankees have done it all, all year successfully. Yeah, Chad They've Green, done it better than anyone. They've done it better than Tampa, who would invented Chad, would it. Ch- would Chad Green be the obvious number one choice for that unless it's role? Unless it's going to be Severino. But again, I, I could, think a lot could, of it's going to depend on what Sevy looks like when he gets back, how far he's able to get stretched well, out even or whatever. What you said, maybe even Batances, where you're like, okay, I don't trust him late in the game because I like where I'm at. I like the Adovino, Britain, whatever, Tommy, TK, and then you got Chapman. So let's do Batances in the first. He comes out throwing 98, 97, with the, and then the big breaking ball. He gives you one inning, 20 pitches, whatever. Then we come Sevy for the next three or four. Now you're at the fifth. Now you're like, if you need to, you got Chad Green in the sixth, and then you can bing, bang, you know, yeah. and, and mix and match. And if you give, if you don't use one of the guys, you got him for the next game. This team's destined to win the whole thing. Look at the combined no-hitters that we've seen over the last couple of years, They've too. Uh, multiple guys. Anytime where you're, you're bringing new pitchers in every couple of innings, it's hard for hitters to adjust to that, especially when you look at bullpens nowadays where, again, you're talking about a guy like Batances coming up, throwing 98, 99, 100 with the slider. That's a tough guy to get anything going with. It also takes out your top three guys right off the bat. And then whoever comes in after that doesn't have to see them until another time through, which would, of course, also mean if you go what? four and you can keep them off the bases, you wouldn't see the top three hitters the second time through till you get to the good part of the bullpen. When is Severino and Batance expected They've already to come started throwing. I know they're starting to yeah. throw. Severino is doing another rehab start today. And uh, – or no, not today, Sunday, rather. And – 
They're thinking about doing one more for him before he comes up. He says if all goes well, he wants to come up. He's ready to go. Well, I saw where the first they, day he was throwing 97. Where are they putting him, bullpen? I, uh, again, I think that's really going to vary. It's really going to depend on, on who's pitching. At, you know, again, CC's done for the year. So... He's Is not he? coming back. He's definitely yeah, up. yeah. Uh, he threw a little bit, yeah. But I, Debbie I, Garcia, they're supposed to bring up. There's talk about Debbie Garcia coming up. He's going mean, to stay God, at AAA if, through the duration of the playoffs. You put him in the bullpen. That's just. But I don't. I don't like that at all. That, that guy's not. That guy's not going in the postseason roster. No, I neither is CC. I would wait until next year. I think Cortez is going to be your lefty specialist. He's going to be. He can throw from all different angles. He's produced at a, a high level. Yeah. All season long, I like that. I like the five guys that Joe's been talking about. The main guys for your bullpen. Chad Green will probably be your other guy, and then I think Hap will probably be that long relief somewhere. They'll probably have him. He's going to be on the postseason roster, and then you figure unless Montgomery can come back and and pitch some mean. If he could come out and look good, you think they're going to have Montgomery off injury instead of Hap all season? I'm. I'm Believe it or not, I do because you I think, think they when, trust him more than half. I think when you get again, it's going to depend on what he looks like when he gets back. I don't know if you guys saw any of the rehab start the other night. No, I, mean, I didn't watch any of them. Went rehab. five innings, gave up two runs, five hits, struck out a bunch of guys. He looked really good. He's thinner. He looks even better than he did before. This team's got so many people. It's going to be yeah. funny to see their. They got the, so much depth. Well, it's crazy. I mean, I was just reading the report. They were such do- a tough problem. What, to what they were right? doing? They were doing a high, post was doing a high insight twenty twenty for next year's outfielders. I'm like, you've got so many of abundance of do the Yankees bring back Hicks and I'm not getting to the future thing but do they bring back Hicks because the guy's been injured do they tr- try to use him as trade guy see if someone else wants him what do you do with Cameron Mabin has he produced a roster Clint Frazier is he going to be a continuous trade break do you bring back Brett Gardner the guy's had his, one of his best seasons he's got power again this year he's played an what outstanding do you do? What do you defense do with Voight? what do you do with Stan? what do you do with what do you do with Stan because those guys are all going to be DH Judge and those Ford. two and Carnacion will be first base. I mean, it's not a bad problem. I bet a lot of teams. We definitely know Greg Bird's not coming back. No, thank God. Maybe. No. Now we just need Ellsbury out, and we'll get. We'll be back. We'll be happy. Bird will be back in spring training next season. He's resumed baseball activities. Do you really think so? Yes. So who oh, do you, no. hey, so who do you think with the wild card? It's so. I think there might be a three-way tie in the AL wild card. Are the Rays I'm really still going to. St- Stick, the Rays are sticking around. The Rays, the Indians, in Oakland. Now, here's my question: What if there's a three-way tie? At the end of the season, do they have a one-game playoff before the one-game playoff? Hmm. Um, I think there's something like that. I think there is. Like, like, yeah. Like the last game. Remember, like in the regular season, if the two teams were at the same record for division, they right. would play the day after the regular before season. The, they yeah. had that before. I so, can't, I'm good for Tampa that they're still around. That's why the Yankees' importance to get the number one seed is huge because you're going to play that wild card team, and they're not going to have their ace in game one. So hmm. – uh, Wow, news. that's that. that's breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Might as well say it, Trev. Tyreek Hill just signs a three-year, fifty-four million dollar extension. Thirty-five, with thirty-five mil guarantee. And, and another I know receiver getting paid. And I know we're talking baseball, but that's big news because that's a guy that was had some issues off the field, and you're giving him the contract extension before he's proved it this season. So hey, he's getting paid. A lot of people getting paid. How do people? You know who's paid. not getting paid? Dak Prescott. Not yet. Hope or not. ever. Hey, <laughs> I'll tell you the Mets. Oh, I think it's. I, I, do the Mets still have a chance? No. I, mean, I was so sh- happy for after them. last after their uh, after la- after this week's debacle. Anytime you blow, yeah, but they came back the next day and won and was impressive. To come back on a short Who notice. Who cares? I can't take them serious. The Mets fans got too excited four weeks ago and Jay, they were like, "Yeah, they won the world. they won the World Series." Oh, my boy Degrom. 
Yeah. I oh, mean, is he going to get to uh, 12 wins? So his war. Wow. Joe, I know. Career what, high, maybe. Okay, yeah. so you might, his win, war is you might win two bets over us. So he's eight. Well, and, you can already chalk up the uh, Gary Sanchez. So he's bet. eight and eight. <laughs> the Gary Sanchez is bad. Yeah, I'm going to pay for that. We're going to have a Sunday thing before football. Wait, it's eight, he's eight forward. and eight? So he's eight and eight with a 266 ERA, 1.02 ERA. Uh, wow, he's, he's got a 5.3 war. He's got a month left. Scherzer's nine and five, though. But he's missed some he's time. Dealing with injury, I'm just and look. I'm just excited where the Yankees are going. Sonny Gray's ten and six <laughs> with a two point eight dollar. Of course, he would do great with not the Yankees. It doesn't matter. The Yankees can't pitch the in Yan- the big time. It's easy when you pitch for Yankees, the Reds. And there's 10 hey, the Yankees the could eliminate the Sox this weekend. What do yes. you expect? What do you expect from the Yanks? Uh, well, three. you know, right now, uh, what what I'm bothered by is how much Tyler Wade has been in the lineup. You know, it seems like the Yankees are. Taking, like, taking their foot off the gas a little bit. I don't like that. Joe, and that, I'm thinking and that it's, concerns I think me. Arresting, guys. Arresting. I thought the other night, Sanchez gets hit twice in the same at-bat. Well, first he falls one off the leg. Yeah. Then he gets hit in the elbow. Nice. And yeah. That, just I, what we need. Send him to the clubhouse. And I, and I was thinking, Ice him up. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, Sanchez. And then he could sit out until the postseason and finish Listen, up with 34 home is, runs and not the make way, The way I look at the Yankees right now is this is the way, like a football team preseason. I know I'm relating a lot of stuff to the football season, but you just want to play – you want to play good baseball and stay healthy. And stay healthy. You want no freakish things. Everyone to continue to produce because you're just, you know, you're in the playoffs. You want to get the number one seed, but you just want to make sure there's, listen, Didi's not playing well right now. I think that's an issue because he at that lefty at he's bat in, contra- he's in, in the middle of the yeah. lineup between all that right. He's in guys. a contract. It's year. amazing how these guys in contract years find a way to blow it like Harper did last year. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah, he's he's. I don't know what's gonna happen with his future. I mean, him and Enduhar's future could be up for grabs. Don't know, but I'll tell you, Harper's number though. He's got 100 RBIs. For Phillies, does he? Yeah, but he should have 140. I mean, that's you're you're not paying these. Look, you know, I, I like Mike Trout, I like Harper and Machado, and these guys deserve to get paid. But 100 RBI, DJ LeMahieu's going to have 100 RBI. First Philly to have 100 RBI since Ryan Howard. Well, the, because wow. the Phillies aren't a great team and never have been they really. Been, but they haven't been. A you good know what team. I was? Gonna I, I expect my I superstars to knock in 120, 130, 140 runs, a hundred. I mean, again, you know, when a when a when a power forward you know goes for twenty and ten, are we supposed to be excited about that? Your job. Yeah. No. I every time it's what's a hundred RBI. My, yeah. Great. My, now where's the rest of them? Final my final takeaway is, you know, we've talked about it for months and then on and off, and we talked about it a little last week with the MVP thing and numbers. The reason why you don't see the Yankees guy ever going to be win the MVP is because those, the guys in their lineup mm-hmm. are so good, one through nine, the numbers are at a high level. Mm-hmm. So, I look, like here's the thing. Mike Trout was so good compared to everyone else on his team. His numbers are so much higher. Where when you look at the Yankees, you go DJ Lemay, you're like, all right, but he's only got like 75. I'm just using, I don't know, but he's got like 75. Judge, Judge has 20 home runs. Gleber has over 30. He's going to have 35 home runs. Sanchez, like everyone on their lineup, one through nine, produces. Where you look at the Angels, like one guy produces, everyone else has 40 RBIs. Well, that's, that's, why the, the that's the Angels for you. Can I point out one more thing mm-hmm. about the great Mike Trout? He is great. This year, with two outs and runners in scoring position, oh boy. DJ LeMahieu, you know, is hitting 390. Mike Trout's hitting 215. In late and close situations, DJ LeMahieu is a 300 hitter. Mike Trout, 
241. They never look at that stat, though. I, they don't look at those stats. Those are called clutch stats. Those are the most important ones. When the Yankees are winning, DJ LeMay, uh, when the Yankees are losing, LeMayu's got a 347 batting average. So when they need it, he comes through. Mike Trout hitting 250. So just some, just I'm just saying that no, doesn't make DJ the MVP. But I know is there a re- is is it is it possible that maybe the Angels aren't as good as the Yankees because Mike Trout's not clutch? I'm just gonna put that out there for you. Time something to think about. Time will tell on, on that award. We'll see what happens. Joe, as always. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Bring your kid to work day. <laughs> Bring your kid to work day. <laughs> Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking our final break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Chaz to make college football predictions. Texas LSU, what's going to happen in Austin this weekend? We'll talk all about that. Keys to the city, all noise radio. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to Keys to the City, brought to you by All Noise Radio. Here's your host, Trevor and Ted. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. If you didn't get to check out early on in the show, you can check us out on Spotify and YouTube. As well, you could go visit our Facebook page. We'll have that up all for you. What a show it's been today. Jam-packed as well. Thank you, Joe Aguirre, for joining us, talking baseball. Talked football. Started the NFL season officially underway. Big news just happening. Tyreek Hill gets the big contract extension. Everybody's getting paid. That's what happens. When you're, a good, when you're a damn good football player, you get your money and you get paid. Sooner or later, the kids that are playing right now for free are, will get that opportunity. What? what? No, I was, What are you doing? I'm getting excited. I'm pointing to the game. No, you're pointing to nothing. I'm not pointing. Listen, so <laughs> I'm only kidding around. It's the guys that are playing for free and soon will get those big contracts, hopefully. The college boys. Week one, interesting week. What did you think was the best game of the weekend? Did you think it was the Oregon-Auburn game was the best? Uh, I, I, I thought it was. Listen, I mean, it came down to the wire. It was, a, it was almost a buzzer beater. I mean, what else could you ask for? It was the game that we expected to be the biggest game. We were it wrong, was. though. We were wrong. Now, the three games we're going to talk about tonight is, today is Army at Michigan. I mean— The I, second game we're going to talk about that Chad's going to pick Many is, people is, might is, think it be— a- I know. But Army, this was a team that brought back a lot of starters. They were a good team last year. Listen, Michigan didn't look great in week one. How do they look in week two against Army? Then and they, we have Texas A&M going to Clemson. Now the tackle for Texas A&M has already predicted an upset. So I know whatever. I hate when do people, that. Why, why? Why do people just have to say anything? Just go do your poll. Get thing. ready for the game. Practice all week and get ready to play a huge game, a national televised team against the defending champs, and pull off the upset. Why do we always have to run our damn mouths nowadays? Well, if it's Somebody asks you, do you think you're going to win? What are you supposed to say? We're just, well, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to give the vague we're answer. Go, we're just going to show yes. up and play hard. Yeah, we're going to show up. We're going to play the best game we're we gonna can. We're going to show up and we want to win. That's what you say. Yes, but you don't say, oh, we're going to win the upset. We're you gonna know pull- what? Some people do, Trev. It's That's just the, the way they think. It's just a bulletin Trev. for material. Just shut up and go play the game, we bro. We whiff last week and we know what happened. Yeah. 
When you run your mouth, you get spanked. You got spanked. Not, and, I, I and, mean, then, and what do you want me to do? And then the third game, the third game that we're going to talk about is the LSU-Texas game. Before he tries to join us, I'm going to ask. He's going to call in a I'm, minute. Okay. Before he asks, I want to get this question in. Me and you. So if LSU wins, this will be three straight weeks that SEC has had the big games. And, they've, and they won. If LSU wins, can we stop with the SEC hate? I don't care about Vanderbilt being horrible. I don't care that Tennessee is horrible. I don't care that all these bottom teams, Kentucky, Missouri, are horrible. I look at the top teams. And when Florida wins week one, when Auburn wins week two, and if Texas or LSU wins week three, I'm sick, I, and, I'm sick of I everybody will, I, saying, I know we're going to have one guy that's as, as an anti-SEC guy. I'm not a fan of the SEC. But if the SEC wins again this week and they reign supreme, can we stop talking about that there's – this SEC bias, or there's the SEC is overrated. No, they're not. You only say that because Alabama plays teams like Duke and Louisville, beats them up, doesn't play anybody, but then they win all their games, goes to the national championship, either wins or loses. Okay, they're still in the national championship. There's an SEC team or two SEC teams representing in the college football playoff every year. So why do we always, why can't we just say that they are the best? The ACC doesn't look good. We know what the Pac-12 is. The Big Ten, the Big Ten is always there. It's either the Big Ten or it's the SEC. Plain and simple, but when the SEC plays the Big Ten sometimes, the SEC, okay, here we go. Chaz, what's cooking, big guy? What's going on, guys? Nothing much. I just took your sign, your language. That's how you always start the show. What's cooking? But yeah, what's cooking? What's cooking? Good looking. <laughs> Nothing much, big guy. So we got the big three games. You had a a rough week last week. What's the two record? You're two and one. Two and one. So you're two now. Trev's got the three one lead over you guys. You guys are both two and two. We're gonna start off with a game. Not many people would think is going to be a close game. I could see it being because of the offense. Army almost and beat Ar Oklahoma last year. I mean, Army versus At Michigan North in the big house. Can Army and that offense sustain any sort of passing game? We know they're going to run the ball, but Michigan's defense is nasty. They're fast. They're going to get after the. They're going to get after these players. Can they have some sort of passing game? Do you think Army has any chance of going into the big house and beating Big Blue? Do you really expect me to pick against my favorite coach <laughs> of all of college football? Is he really your favorite coach? Love him, man. Okay. Walmart khakis, $10. Most, most overrated coach in college football. Anyways, despite go on. Despite the naysayers on social media who dogged the Wolverines offense against Middle Tennessee, Shea Patterson quietly had a good game, Trev, completing 17 to 29 passes for 203 yards and three touchdowns. I hate rooting against any service academy, but Army won't be able to gut the Michigan defense and forget about trying to get the edge against the old maize and blue. Get out the white flag, cadets. Michigan will roll over the Black Knights in the big house. I expect this game to be tight early. However, the fighting Harbaugh's will put the pull away in the second half. I'm laying the 23 points. Wow, I like it. That's bold. I like it. Okay, that's a bold move, Cotton. That's a bold move. So, Texas A&M, you know about the offensive line and running his mouth, going against the defending champs. Last year, this was Clemson's toughest game. 28-26. But it's in Death Valley. Clemson looked – Trevor Lawrence didn't look great. I know they destroyed Georgia Tech. 
But Trevor Lawrence did look good. Does he come back and put a statement victory for the Clemson Tigers and probably their, their biggest game of the year until they get to the college football playoff, it really looks like. Do you expect Texas A&M to play competitive or do you see them pulling off the upset? I have a second question for you. Okay. Do you think a Jimbo Fisher team is going to get steamrolled by three scores? I know Clemson is considered the best team in college football, but Fisher is the most underrated coach in college football. Florida State has been a dumpster fire with him. The Aggies have all the ingredients to pull off the upset. An experienced coaching staff, a veteran quarterback who won't be afraid of the big moment, speed on defense to match Clemson's athleticism, and lastly, a secondary with size to give Trevor Lawrence fits. I'm not delusional. Clemson's winning the game, but I'm grabbing the 17 and a half and riding the 12th man on the road, baby. Uh, that feels like a lot of points. Yeah, for a team, like that, for that, a team that, that's a top 15 team going in, I mean, 17 points. You're telling me that more than two scores? I don't know. I, I think Texas A&M is a very talented team. Kellen Mond is a very good quarterback, and we know Jimbo Fisher is one of the bright he coaches knows how out to there. He's, yes. I, I could see Texas A&M playing this like last year, going down to the wire. And, and here's the thing. Clemson had a, one of the best defenses in college football last year, and Kellen Mond did – performed very well against them last year and now Clemson's not going to return half their starters I know they're home the home crowd's going to play a huge factor but to think this kid can't play just as good as he did last year and not produce at a higher level having another year under Jimbo Fisher's offense is kind of crazy it's kind of disrespectful that they're not giving A&M a chance I mean 17 points is still 17 points man for a top 15 matchup if Mon doesn't make mistakes and they don't turn the ball over, this will be a one-score game. Okay. I, and I think the biggest key for them, if Texas A&M, and I know we're going to make the predictions after Charles ends, but I think you got to st- stop the running game first. You got to stop the kid Etnine. That's like any team. You stop the running game, you make them one, you know, one dim- yeah, one, one dimensional. dimensional. Have Trevor Lawrence throw the ball. Yeah, that's that's probably. At least you know, know what's coming. Pick your poison, whatever you know. want. A&M high-scoring game. Chaz, you think a high-scoring game? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be 34-31 uh, Clemson. Oh, wow. So, clo- oh, really close, close game. One. Okay. All right, cool, beautiful. Cool. So, could be a late touchdown. And we were just, I was just talking about this before, um, before you came on. It's LSU versus Texas, the nightcap. I want to get your prediction. I want to ask you one quick question before you go as well after your prediction. So, what do you got, Chaz? LSU, Texas. Keys Brothers, I know that you didn't read the book, but in The Grapes of Wrath, John Steinbeck wrote, it's a thing to see when a boy comes home. The Longhorns are hoping that this Saturday is a homecoming for them. A win over the big bad Tigers from the vaunted SEC would restore them to national prominence. However, Ed Origins' team needs to call Priceline because they have been shaky on the road they don't travel well and their last seven true road games lsu is five and four with incredibly close games against inferior competition a la arkansas this will be a classic but just like i'm sure president trump will tweet out something completely idiotic i know to take the points when las vegas underestimates a todd herman coach team he's 13 two and one against the spread as an underdog at Houston and Texas. 
The Longhorns will cover the spread, but lose the, to the Tigers on the field, causing delusional fan bases in Tennessee, Mississippi, and Arkansas to beat their chests and chant SEC. SEC. I'm glad you said that because my question is, if the if LSU wins, goes into Austin, three straight weeks, week one, Florida beats Miami. Week two, Auburn beats Oregon. Week three, LSU beats Texas. If they do that three straight weeks, I'm done hearing about the SEC hate because I don't care about the bottom of the teams. I don't care about that. What do the top of the teams do? The only conference that can be in question or in debate with the SEC is the Big Ten. But if SEC goes three straight weeks – of beating top 20 programs, guess what? I mean, there should be no say, Jazz. Wouldn't you agree? No, because if, if this, this is the truest, biggest game for the SEC, you know, to take down the whole perception that the SEC is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, Oregon, Oregon blew that. I would argue is probably the second or third best team in a week conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami, everybody knew is, was, was really not that good in a bad conference. This is a big game because it's a, a top 10 team. They're on the road. Texas has to win this game. But my biggest argument is, is the fact that if you go look at these schedules, besides Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and LSU, I think the SEC is a dumpster fire. Um, completely old miss last week. You want to talk about the big thing, old miss loss. Okay. Tennessee losing to Georgia state, Arkansas state losing, barely sneaking by Portland state, Missouri beating to Wyoming. No, they lost to Wyoming. Lost to Wyoming. Lost to Wyoming. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was, so it's, I, it's, it's Chaz. You're right. I mean, the bad, the bad teams are bad. And, you know, the coaching has gone downhill. I mean, the Mississippi schools are not good. Tennessee, and listen, we used to joke about this because, you know, I was a Florida fan, you were Tennessee. Tennessee has fallen on super hard times. I think their first mistake was not hiring Greg Schiano and letting other people speak. He would have brought in discipline, would have brought in a different attitude, and I think Tennessee made a mistake on that. But go ahead. I mean, guys, Kentucky barely beating Toledo, Mississippi State struggling against Louisiana, and, and, and Alabama really – I mean, and we forgot to mention North Carolina beating Carolina. So it, 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 it comes down to the fact that if you take away Alabama, they have been a very mediocre conference. And that's the truth. And, and, and if you look at – and everybody wants, oh, Harbaugh is the most overrated. Harbaugh is, is, is going to play Army. He's going to play Wisconsin, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State. Compare that against any schedule in the SEC. The SEC hides behind the fact that they want to that that the SEC means more. It's the best conference. They don't have to play outside of the conference. I will stop watching college football if Georgia and Alabama are both in so, the college football playoffs. Chaz, I have to interrupt you for one second. The only schedule that I can give you that can compete to that. Here is Texas A&M's remaining schedule in the SEC. They're at Clemson this week, September 21st, they're home against Auburn, which is number 10. October 12th, they play number two Alabama. Number at November 23rd, they play at number three Georgia, and November 30th, they're at number six LSU. That's a pretty. Yeah, that's I, a pretty. That's probably the only team that I could put up there. What you just said with Michigan that can compete with a schedule. Now a lot of teams don't face that. Alabama doesn't face that. But I'm just saying, Texas A&M, that speaks volumes. Yeah, and I mean, and the biggest point for me too, guys, is just with with that week one, the, the struggles of 
teams against one double-A opponents. You know, North Carolina beating South Carolina was a big win. I, it just comes down to take Alabama out of the SEC, and what is it? It's, it's Florida under Urban Meyer, and it's LSU with Les Miles for one year. Georgia hasn't won a big game in 25 years. I mean, besides beating the freaking rainbows of Hawaii, and, and everybody else has just been completely mediocre. I think, I think the reason why SEC gets is because when you look at the NFL draft every year, the most uh, players selected in the NFL draft the last five seasons by far has been the SEC. It's 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 not even close. So I but, think I think I think the talent in the SEC is great from top to bottom. The coaching is not. You can say better probably coaching Big Ten. I mean Mike D'Antonio, great coach. I, I mean yeah. Harbaugh. I mean and take over one but from fifty from Northwestern. Oh, absolutely. Wisconsin coach is a good coach. Paul Chris. Paul Chris. So, Jazz. I'll leave you guys on this note. The SEC has been dominant because they've been able to recruit players to say, if you want to play in the NFL, you have to play in these systems. But the NFL is, is, has changed tremendously and has adopted the ear raid. Okay? So teams like if, – if, if you're a quarterback, did you see Jalen Hurts last week? Mm-hmm. Would you not want to go play for Lincoln Riley? That guy wins it. If he gets a third Heisman out of Jalen Hurts, where would you rather play? Don't worry. If he gets a third Heisman with Jalen Hurts, there are going to be uh, teams in the NFL calling for Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I, guys, I, I think the problem is the SEC was – it was very much like the Big East in basketball. It was the most pro-like conference, Absol- right? Absolutely. Big East used to prepare you not only for the postseason play in the NCAA tournament, but also for the NBA physical play. We, they always talked about it, so – that's not the, t- the NFL's changing, guys. Offenses are going all spread. So, Jazz, I appreciate it, buddy. I hope you have a great weekend. Hope to see you soon. Thanks for calling luck, in, buddy. Guys. As always, that was the Kinesh, as always, calling in. So, so let's in, get so into it. So, so I just want to do in review. Chaz did take Michigan with the points over yes. Army. 23. 23. A&M. He, he takes A&M with the points at yes. Clemson, and he said. Did he have, te- did he have he LSU? Yes, Texas covering the spread, but LSU Tigers winning the game. Okay. So, but for okay. his point, this is about the spread, about gambling. Okay. This is the picks. So let's get into our picks for these games. The first game, does Army have any shot pulling off the, the massive upset? Can Kelvin Hopkins Jr. do more with his arm than his legs? Because we know he can run the football. He's their best player. He's their do-it-all guy. They have like they're 18 gonna, of their 22 starters need, back from last year. This was a team that they were talking about maybe go 10-1. and one, nine. I, mean, I mean, they were good last year. They were a 10-win team last year. They need to somehow, like I said, they're going to have to throw the ball because this Michigan team is fast on the edges. They got playmakers. And they're more athletic. They got more, they're more athletic. They got playmakers all over on that defense. The key is can they catch them off guard with a little play-action pass here and there. The triple option works, but sometimes when you're playing a more athletic team, it'll work for half. a quarter or so, maybe a half, but those defenses will continue to get recognize it, and they'll take advantage of it. I expect Michigan to win. I think they win comfortably as well. I could see them winning by three scores. I could see like a 41 to 20. I don't have them covering, but I see like a 41-20 game. So now when I look at this game, I was thinking, okay, I talked about it with Chaz. I said Oklahoma. If you remember that game last year, I believe that game almost went to overtime, or if it did, I, I can't remember. But this was a great game, the Army-Oklahoma game. At yeah, Oklahoma, last year. Army had Kyle, the lead yeah, yeah. against Oklahoma. Kyle Murray had to lead them back, and if it wasn't for him, Kyle Murray, they probably would have lost, which would have been devastating. So who are you, are you picking? But no, what I'm saying is the difference is Oklahoma's defense last year was – 
historically bad. Yes. Not as bad as UConn. Michigan, but, Michigan. But Michigan's defense is, is not as good. good. Nasty, okay. fast, they're athletic. And they're physical. And they make plays. And they're not, they're, Army's not going to have the same success as they did against Michigan as they did against Oklahoma last year. I think Michigan's too talented, too physical. Army will keep the game close. You know, you got to play fundamentally sound football. Army didn't look good in week one against Rice. That's How true. they work against seven? Now, Michigan, so what are you picking? now, Michigan didn't look great either. What are you picking? I have the same type of score you do, okay. but I have the same thing. I think 45-21. Okay. Oh, the cover is spread by a half a point. I think Michigan covers by a half a point. I'll take Michigan home in the blue. And Shea Patterson has a huge game. Okay. They need it. Michigan needs to start looking let's good. Let's get over to A&M versus Clemson. You already heard the linemen make his bold prediction that they're going to pull off the upset. They're going to go in the Death Valley and pull off the mammoth upset and beat the champs. Not so fast, my friends. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence had a pretty bad week one. Yes, his running back, Travis Etna. 205 yards rushing, three touchdowns. That take care. That takes care of everything, though. I expect Trevor Lawrence to have a big game. The key is going to be Kellen Mond. If he can make plays like he did last year with his legs and throwing the ball, this Clemson team, we know what Clemson brings. They are the most complete team in college football. Can Kellen Mond put, put on a Heisman performance to get a chance to win this? It's going to come down to him. Jimbo Fisher's a great coach. We've known what he's done when it was with Florida State. The Florida State-Clemson games back in the day were classics. And it's not a coaching matchup. It's going to come down to which quarterback plays better. If Trevor Lawrence plays to what I expect him to play, then Clemson should take care of business. But if Kellamon plays great, don't be surprised if this is a one-possession game like Chaz said. I'm going with Clemson because of their home. If this was a neutral site game, kind of like the Oklahoma-Houston game, I could see this being a toss-up game. But with them being in Death Valley, 330 game, I expect Clemson too talented. I do not think Kellamon makes enough plays for A&M to be successful come Saturday. I expect a 35-24 Clemson victory. Now, I had a big spiel about this one. I remember ESPN about a month ago, I sent you the... NCAA preview, Kellen Mond was the number one and most important player going into the season. That's what they had. College football? Most important player of 2009 season. Because of the teams I had mentioned to Chaz just before this of all the matchups. And if he plays up to the caliber he can be, he could be the difference maker. Now, this is the game that set the tone for Clemson last year. It was their toughest game. It was 28-26 as Texas A&M. This is the game that Trevor Lawrence, after this game, became the starter. I don't look at this game in the same way I did as last year. That was a home game for oh, Texas A&M. Texas was... A&M was the better, had a better team last year, I think, overall. Texas A&M had a better team? I think they did. I like the running back. They had, I think they had a better running back. Okay. The quarterbacks, but I think they had a better team. Okay. I don't That's think why they Clemson was in the national championship and won. Oh, no. No, I said Texas A&M had a better team. No, no, like better team than they do this year. 2018 oh. team to oh. compare to the 2000. Well, I I'm think sorry. they have more experience with Kellamon now. That's what makes it. That's Absolutely. why he has to play like a Heisman performance for them to be successful tomorrow. I just think Clemson's offense at the end of the day at home is so dominant. They have two stud receivers. They have a top running back and they have a star quarterback and they have their lineman. And the home field advantage. I don't. But that's the thing. I think that with Jimbo Fisher's experience going into Clemson, I think he's going to have these boys ready. But the They're players gonna, have to play. They're not going – yeah, but they're not going to get to, – the moment's not going to be too big for them to get – to go silent. I expect Jimbo Fisher to do a pretty good job in the sense of 
getting his team ready, getting them mentally prepared and physically prepared for a war. It's going to be a 60-minute battle with this game. But I expect Clemson to prevail because they are the more talented team. They have the best player on the field, maybe the two best players on the field. So I'm going Clemson. What do you got for score? I got 37-24. Clemson wins at home. All right, let's go with the nightcap. Another massive game. College football implications, playoff implications. The Texas Longhorns take on LSU. Remember what Sam Ellinger said after they beat Georgia? We're back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going with the Longhorns. I don't think anybody's given the Longhorns much of a chance. LSU on the matchup prediction. They are an 80% chance. chance. That's incredible. They are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I expect – the ba- th- this comes down to the quarterbacks again. Joe. Ellinger versus Joe Burrows. But I also expect it to come down to coaches. Ed Ordron, just like Chaz said. Not a really great coach in moments like this. Tom Herman, we know what he can bring. He's smart. He's creative. Ed Orgeron. Texas only has one run. Oh, they have a lot of running back injuries. Sam Ellinger is going to have to play like a Heisman hopeful. They, they were lost hoping. A, they lost a lot of starters. I think Texas, this year. is, I think Texas, SEC, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, we get a chance to play the SEC, one of the best in the conference, and we get a chance to put literally, imagine that, Texas's big, big two previous wins could be against SEC opponents. Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and then te- and then LSU. That would be huge. Back-to-back wins. Then Texas can definitely maybe be back on the map. They win this game. Watch out for Texas in the college football playoff this year. They lose this game, you can knock Texas out. I know. I know. So, it sounds crazy because it's week two, but guess what? So the game you that- have to win a big game like this. I know you still play Oklahoma, but you have to play. This is this is national championship implications. This game. This is a top ten matchup. You need to play. Your game. Sam Ellinger, you said it back in January. You're back. Well, guess what? Prove it. And that's why I'm still going with the Texas Longhorns. I expect to, this is going to be a great game. I expect it to be a 24-21 Longhorns victory. So I want to give you a little something to what Chaz was saying before. So with the LSU-Texas, here's something I, he, the guy, uh, someone wrote in a Texas preview this summer. Tom Herman is the ultimate big game coach. In four years as a head coach, he is 10-6 and six straight up as an underdog mm-hmm. and 13-2 and two and one against the spread. As, at one, as a one-possession favorite, he's 9-2 and two straight up, 7-3 against the spread. As a heavy favorite, however, he's 21-5. and five. Listen, the guy knows how to coach. Texas is a six-point underdog. Herman's going to play the underdog role. Texas is going to be home. It's in Jerry World. It's in Dallas. No, it's not. It's in, Austin. It's in their home stadium. Is it in? Where are you, bro? I are, you in the, are you in Jerry World right now? Maybe, because I'm thinking about the Giants. Either way, it's a home field of game. All the pressure, I think, is on Texas to win this game. It has to be. Big 12, they have to prove that they can play defense. They have to prove that they're here. Because if Texas loses this game... The, the talk said, is going to be Texas is not ready for the big time yet. I said yes. Yes, of course, 100%. If Texas doesn't win this game, then guess what? Texas, you could say goodbye to your, your back statement because you have to come in and prove yourself and be a man of your word, Sam Ellinger. And this is a big opportunity for the Big 12 as well. You're playing the SEC. Anytime you play the SEC, it's a big opportunity to show that you belong. So if if I'm, I'm going at, Texas, so if I look at this game, I like Sam Ellinger as the quarterback. Overall okay. team, I think I like LSU as the team, though. I really do. I think they have stars on the defense. So are you picking LSU? 
I like I like Texas covering the spread. I think LSU wins the game. Is though. LSU? Oh, what's the score? Twenty-seven, twenty-four, LSU. Okay, we both about to got a field goal game. Okay, cool. So, and who'd you have? You had Texas. Texas. Winning. I have Texas win. So my final po- question, and I just kind of said it, is a team like Texas playing against the SEC. You got your opportunities now to prove that you belong. So I'm thinking of teams right now, top five outside: Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan. Hell, you could put Texas if you want. You could put LSU. Do these teams match up? Can they match up with an Alabama and Clemson? Or do you see just Alabama and Clemson far more superior than all the rest of them? Well, here's the thing. I gotta watch, I won't pick, I, I got, I got, I'm not going to put Georgia because I expect Georgia to be maybe that third team easily. Who's that fourth so, team and who can compete the best chance so to compete with I them? have three teams. Two in the Big Ten and one in the Big 12. I think it's Oklahoma because what they can do offensively. We said that last able, year too, though. No, I know. But if their defense can play better... It can't, be much, it can't be much but worse. The, but here's the thing. If they play a little bit better, a little bit could be a long way in that can't type be of much offense. Worse than it's what like they when were the Colts year, back in the day when they didn't have a great defense, but their offense was so good. When you're playing with the lead, you always de- defensively you always have that advantage because you're always playing with the lead and your pass rushers, you know the teams are going to pass. They make predictable offense. Your defense becomes better. Because there's pressure on the other team to compete and to score at that high level. Now, the difference with Oklahoma and Clemson is they have the offenses and they have the defenses to back them up. Oklahoma can match offense for offense with Clemson and Alabama. It's always been can their defense sustain it. Georgia, it's always their defense can sustain it. Can the offense do enough? The other two teams for me, it's Michigan because – I like where their defense at, and I like where their team, is, and I like their coaching. And the other team is Ohio State. I don't it's tr- always going to be Ohio I don't State. Trust. I think Justin Fields. And I Ohio trust State. Justin Fields more than I trust Shea Patterson. I'm just. You asked me for the teams that could. Compete. No, I know. No, but I. That's I, the three teams. I think it's Oklahoma. I think it's Michigan, and I think it's Ohio State. I think all three teams. Um, could match up with them. Yes, absolutely. I think Ohio State's the only true team that can match up with them. Because they got the athletes, they got the players, and I t- I'll trust their quarterback. And you might say, oh, you're crazy. Why would you take a guy that's barely started two more than two games? He's only started one career game. Here's my thing. I would have thought Oregon Maybe would, people would say Jalen Hurts. Would, Oregon would have been my 14 because of the quarterback. Yeah. But because they blew that type of game, it shows me that they're not ready for the big time. I, that's I, that's how I believe. I mean, I know we you say Alabama, well, Georgia. Georgia, I expect Georgia to be the third team. The fourth team is going to be either one of those three teams. I, I just don't trust Michigan. I don't trust Shea Patterson. They have the athletes. They I might don't know be the most talented team in college and now football. Now, if Texas goes in and beats LSU, That's what and, I'm saying. and if they beat them like by seven or ten points, if they if yeah. they show, I'm going to watch the whole game and I'm going to see. Listen, I hope you do. Well, of course, but I'm going to see. Listen, is it a late touchdown? <laughs> I'm not going to watch the game. Well, if LSU scores a late touchdown to make the game close. But, LSU, but Texas dominates, that's what's going to be important to me. I don't care about the final score. I want to see how they play from play one to play whatever, to 200. How do, how do they – have they have they grown as an org, as a university? That's why they brought Herman in, okay? Yep. This was the difference guy. This was the guy that was going to take them back to where Mac Brown had them with Vince Young yep. and Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. This is what Texas is waiting for. Okay, Texas A&M this is – This is their little, moment. Texas A&M is down. TCU is a little bit down. Texas they, A&M is 12th in the country. What the hell do you mean down? But – what do you expect? Here's the thing. What more do they A couple have to years build? ago, Texas football was not the number one school, and it was TCU and Texas A&M and Houston, okay, the top three oh, schools. Oh, well, yes, I know that. Now Texas is now in the top ten. Well, this is their point. This, this is, is their, their Super Bowl, okay, other than the Oklahoma game. You got two games to impress. Show it this week at home. 
and then worry about the Oklahoma game and finish off the season that and was prove a, that you're That was dumber. a great spiel, but you picked LSU, so it doesn't even matter. Because I think at the end of the day, LSU's talent will oversee. Not taking Texas. Roll with the Longhorns. You're going to take the week. home team. I'm going with the I'm going with – I expect – I don't think LSU goes into Austin until – I expect so it to te- be a great You have game. Texas winning and covering. I have LSU winning, but Texas covering the spread. Ladies and gentlemen, we are signing off. If you missed today's show, you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. You can go follow us on Keys to the City. Go check us out. Everybody, thank you for watching. We'll be back next Thursday. Everybody, have a great weekend. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are out. Yeah. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness. In the making, double up on facts we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying, what we saying, prime information. Facts, keys to the city, we're locking the statements. Streaming every Friday.